Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie. And on this episode, we are doing the 55th Best Picture winner, Gandhi. Gandhi is a 1982 biographical film based on the life of Mohandas Gandhi. It it was co-directed and produced by Richard Attenborough, screenplay by John Bailey, and it stars Ben Kingsley in the title role. Really a passion project, apparently, for Attenborough, who tried for years and years to get this made. Yeah, I was reading it. It started like back in 62 and didn't get released until 82. So. Did you see one director <laughs> that was attached to it for a little while? Oh, wait, who? Both both friend and enemy of the podcast, David Lean. Oh, interesting. Considering that like the further and further on in Lean's career, the more and more bloated, I mean, always beautiful, but more and more just bloated his films became. I'm very happy he did not do this one. Yeah, it it's already a three hour movie, which I will say, I know we are not fans of indulgently long films on this podcast, but I thought that this was extremely well paced. Agreed. Put the intermission in the right place. Like it was it was good. So I I have no complaints about the length. Maybe if David Lean had directed it, I would, though. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. I'm the same way. I think uh, there's only like one point in the three hours where I was like, OK, this is going on a little too long. But like in general, extremely well paced, needed all three hours and 11 minutes. Pretty much. I'm totally fine with that. Before we get too into it, I do want to level set as we do with all of our biopics um, or biopics. I still am not 100% sure like which one you're supposed to go with. Um, I'm just going to switch it up. Keep us on our but, toes. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, while we will potentially reference like actual historical things and stuff like that, and um, I will, before we get too into our watch notes, kind of uh, bring up broadly what some of the praise and criticism of the movie has been when we are talking about these people who are all by and large real life people. We are talking about them in terms of them as a character in the film, since that is the piece of media that we consumed and are reviewing. Yes. And that uh, kind of like Maggie said, I, I think some of the reception really was that this kind of, um, didn't show any of Gandhi's faults <laughs> and kind of deified him in that way, um, which I find kind of interesting given Gandhi's take on a lot of things. But um, yeah, we are we are definitely talking about the film. Yeah, so it was uh, I'll talk right now kind of generally about the reception. So it was by and large, mostly positively reviewed at the time, uh, both in North America and in the UK and in India. There was some like criticism at the time. I think there was a little bit more kind of in later years. And most of the criticism I kind of saw was around the fact that it sort of like sanctified and deified Gandhi in a way that maybe like took away some of the real person. And then I also saw some criticisms around how it handled the character of Jenna Although we'll get we'll get more into that. I actually found his character extremely nuanced. Yeah, I appreciated his characterization. I think my one complaint about how they aged all of these characters is that the character of Gandhi got very old very quickly and the rest didn't seem to follow quite as quickly. 
I thought the aging makeup was fantastic. Oh, I thought they did a great job. And I thought all the actors did such a good job of like aging their mannerisms. It was more the frailty aspect, which I guess it, given the ascetic lifestyle that uh, Gandhi led compared to his friends, that maybe isn't such a surprise. But I, I, that was my only complaint about how they aged Okay, we'll we'll get more into that, but uh, <laughs> sorry, being a stickler. No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, running through awards and nominations, this won a lot. It got nominated for a lot. So, Amber won for best director. Uh, Kingsley won for best actor. John Breeley won for best original screenplay. It won for best art direction. No surprise there. Won for best costume design. Again, no surprise there because. Not only are there like a million characters in this, it spans a huge amount of time. It spans like pre-World War One, so like early World War One, maybe around like 1912 to 1915-ish to like 1948. So like huge time span. You're also dealing with a multitude of classes and a multitude of cultures that all dress a little bit differently. So amazing costume design. And I would like to point out too, like the people involved in a lot of the, the costume design and the music and the production are Indian. So Which <laughs> like, was I appreciated that so much. It is so sadly, not something we have seen a lot with our best picture winners in portrayals of other cultures. Yeah. So really great to actually see it. Actually, I'm, Oh my gosh, I looked up how to pronounce this and I'm still going to get it so wrong. Banu Athega became the first Indian to win an Academy Award and she won for costume design. Oh, glorious. So, yeah. Love to see it. Feels a little too late, but still love to see it and she did an incredible job. Um, It also won for best film editing, which I agree with. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, huge props on the pacing. It was nominated for Best Makeup, but did not win. Nominated for Best Original Score, but did not win. And nominated for Best Sound. Um, I want to see what nominated. What nominated? What got it for score? Oh, E.T. got for score. John Williams won for E.T. I I get that. Um, And then let me see if I can find who won for Makeup. Um, Quest for Fire? which is a prehistoric fantasy adventure film from 1981. Never heard of it, but Ian, we will be watching it because I recently discovered the 1980s fantasy adventure genre and I'm obsessed with it. Okay. And with a title like that, how can you not? (laughs) And it's an Oscar winner. Come on. Add that to the watch list. Um, Speaking of E.T., Other nominees from that year were, for Best Picture, E.T., Missing, Tootsie, and The Verdict. I've seen E.T. That's all I've seen as well. It's been a minute, but... I mean, it's a great film, but I totally get why Gandhi won. Yeah. This is... I'm very, very, very happy that this one won. It's, It's one of those films that, like is to a certain extent like quote unquote Oscar fodder because mm-hmm. it's long, it's epic. It deals with lady stuff. You have the ability to really showcase one performer, but also it was actually good. So like, I'm very yeah. okay with it having one and not at all surprised at one. 
same. Yeah, let's do watch notes. So I know this movie uses a device that you hate. And that is how biopics often start at the end. They often start with some with like the main character dying and some sort of like funeral or memorial or something. And this movie does the same. Although when we get to the end, I'll talk about how this movie almost almost sold me on it. But we we do actually start with Gandhi's assassination. Mm-hmm. Which the way it was filmed. Yeah, it's extremely well shot. It. I, it's, it's not it's Ugh. just the device itself that I hate. Yeah. Yeah. Like the actual it's if you were to put it in the right place in the film, you would be like, OK, this was so good. <laughs> or the I should say the chronological place in the film. Um, But really from the beginning there, it was pretty clear to me that, okay, we're going to get a really good, sometimes sparse, but appropriately like placed score going to get really good cinematography acting generally is phenomenal. So like, this was like a good intro for me for that. So yeah, it it level sets your expectations and it sets them pretty high. Um, So we have the actual assassination. We have um, the, Assassin walks up to Gandhi, who is being kind of like led through this garden and uh, shoots him. And then we have the funeral procession that happens that is absolutely massive. And that I I wasn't able to 100 percent verify this, but I heard slash read was (laughs) uh, the most extras ever used. And it was 300,000. I mean, you could see they had a lot of people. A yeah. lot of people. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, but I I think very effective at being like, hey, this is how important. I mean, I feel like pretty much anybody watching this movie has heard of Gandhi, right? So already like well known, though they might not know much about him. <laughs> but I think this really just reinforces like, hey, this person was extremely, extremely important. To a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Now, there is some voiceover from a not voiceover. Sorry. Commentary from one of the news people that I was like, hmm, that's a little shady. Uh, it was, it was <laughs> how like, you're describing him. Yeah, it was like all just one massive backhanded compliment. It was it, very yes. odd. I was I was wondering if uh, because I would say in general, this movie is very like positive on Gandhi. But I was like, I wonder if that was taken from like actual radio at the time or something it it was weird like it felt weird Uh, yes i kind of hope it was because otherwise i'd be like why why would you write write (laughs) in a (laughs) script but with that we flash backwards to gandhi arriving in south africa on the train isn't it almost like we could have just started a movie here ian uh probably because the amount of indignation i had in this scene just can't be measured it's like he is in first class as an Indian person in South Africa and is being asked to move to third class, even though he has a ticket. I was very, very annoyed. And he gets thrown off the train because he's like, no, I have a ticket. And he's a lawyer, too. So he's very eloquently explaining why he's not going to move. So th- this, I think, was a really early indication of Ben Kingsley's like acting chops and how he was going to portray this character. It was it was glorious to watch. He's so, and this is the first time we really see it, but it carries throughout the film in Kingsley's portrayal of Gandhi is that 
he's outwardly so calm and logical and reasonable, mm-hmm. but he will fight you tooth and nail for what is right. Like he is not backing down. He is stubborn. At one point I literally was sitting there and I was thinking, man, this guy is stubborn. And then he, he immediately asked another character, do you think I'm stubborn? And I was like, yes, <laughs> but <laughs> I got your answer. I mean, yeah, but I, I love that it it's setting that up immediately and we only see it continue and even grow over the course of the film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I love every time he gets all lawyer on people. It's so great. Especially judges. But he gets lawyery on them. Um, the conductor. And they get violent yeah, on him. <laughs> um, this is the first time where we're seeing Gandhi um, on the receiving end of violence and countering it with reason and logic and morality. Um, but there is a be- it is a beautiful shot of him alone on the train station at night. It's a very powerful scene because immediately as an audience, we're indignant about this. Um, and we don't stop being indignant for another three hours and 11 minutes. Yeah. Which again is a testament to the the pacing and how they arrange this film. Well, and also like it's, it's hard to keep emotion, especially strong emotion and negative emotion going for that long. I think like unless unless yes. your script is very well done and your editing and your pacing is r- exceptional and like close to perfect. It's extremely hard to do that. Uh, but this film definitely does. For sure. And one of the ways we do that is by rolling into the treatment of Indian immigrants in South Africa. And so I, I think the scene that really stands out to me um, is the protest of the passes. So we, we've had some uh, established, well, exposition to explain that, hey, they're meant to carry around these passes that nobody else in South Africa And we Africa see have to. Gandhi kind of relaying his indignance over this policy to other mm-hmm. uh, well-off Indian immigrants. Uh, there's the white guy who's a lawyer and there's this whole bit where he's talking about like, Oh yeah, I can't really walk down the street with my client. Yeah. Um, and Gandhi's indignant over it and everybody else being like, yeah, it sucks. It's terrible. We all hate it, but what you going to do? And Gandhi's like, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Yeah. And it's this pass burning, uh, protest, which the way that this is set up and the suspense they build, um, again, is just a testament to what a good film it is. So we we have Gandhi giving his speech in front of this uh, burning cage. There's a term for it that I don't know. Um, Bra- brazier? Brazier. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> that was the word that I was looking for. Um, and, and you have the police kind of in the background and, and we're moving in between views of the police who are, you know, kind of hitting Menacing. their sticks on their hands. Like you can tell something's about to go down. And I also want to highlight here how small the crowd is. Yeah. It is not a large crowd. There are comments about it where they're like, uh, because also this is something that Gandhi does for the first time here that we see him do repeatedly. He's called in the press. He's notified the press. So I think kind of, it's not a main theme of this movie, but I think this movie really highlights the importance of a free press Mm -hmm. um, and using the press to really get out stories of um, the human condition and the need for change. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but they're telling him, you know, you promised there'd be like a thousand people here, but there's 
not that many people here. And he's like, don't worry, there's enough. Like, we can still make our point. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that because it's going to be in such contrast to the growing crowds that we'll see throughout the film. Yeah. And I think when it it comes down to it and he goes to burn these passes and is intercepted by the police, like the fact that he will a third time after being beaten with a stick again, try and burn this pass just shows that resolve and his, his willingness to put his body in the line of fire for what he thinks is right. It's the, the concept that he talks about later in the film and that they explain more, but this is really, I think kind of the seed of it, which is that nonviolent non-cooperation mm-hmm. that like, I see a policy that is wrong. I see a law that is wrong. I'm not like, I'm not going to cooperate with you in upholding it. I will not strike you even if I've been struck, but I'm not going to cooperate, which is, I yeah. think why he, he has to be as stubborn as he is in order to do the things he does the way he does them because not fighting back and continuing to put yourself in the line of fire is a hard thing to do. Yes, totally agree. So that's the first protest. We do get some additional characterization of, of Gandhi at his ashram in South Africa. We get introduced to Martin Sheen playing a reporter. Surprise, surprise. There are a lot of like big name actors with like arguably bit parts in here. (laughs) I guess the the reporter wasn't quite bit. I was going to say, I'm not as familiar with um, a lot of the Indian actors and actresses in this film, but I know at least the British cast is like, and some of the American cast is like littered Mm -hmm. with names that you're like, oh, hang on a second. Yeah. In 1982. Yeah. but we really understand his commitment to this particular cause. And I think the scene with between him and his wife, where he's talking about raking and covering the latrines, like really hammers home the kind of the two sides of him that they're, they're showing one, his intense and unwavering commitment to this cause of equality, like as much as he's willing to, as much as he ever would raise his voice and be quote violent, I wouldn't call it, did did he actually like throw her out or attempt to throw her out? I thought my impression was that she was leaving because she was mad. Oh, no, he was trying to throw her out because she refused to rake and cover the, the latrine, which in her mind was a job for the untouchables. So like this and this was uh, what what I loved at the end of that scene is is one Gandhi reevaluated how he reacted and was like, no, this is not me one. And then two, she was like, okay, you have to go do your thing. I have to go rake and cover the latrine. So it was like this, this kind of, she she realized that he was right. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's kind of the beginning of that really strong bond that you see continuing throughout and for better and or worse, her unwavering commitment and support of her husband. So yeah, it, it, I'm not going to lie. The minute my husband was like, we are now weaving all of our clothes. I would be like, Ooh. okay, but <laughs> don't know I don't I know if 1910 Maggie would feel the same. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you know, 1910 Maggie would feel the exact same way that 2021 Maggie feels. <laughs> and I would not have wanted to weave my own clothes. I mean, I don't want to weave my own clothes in all fairness, but I will say it, it like 
it takes forever and it's a lot of hard work. That's why in almost every scene of this movie, after Gandhi starts weaving his own clothes, you see him sitting there weaving while he's talking to people. Well, and there's a quota. Like you have a quota that you need to make in a day. So so I think the next set of scenes really show how that pass like protest really blooms and, and finds impact. So starts with a rally where you have some police there. And I love the line where he's like, we have no secrets when folks start to get uncomfortable with the, the police being there and he's able to diffuse it. But this is where he really starts, I guess, preaching his like nonviolent approach to this stuff. Um, and I think the line that it's like through our own pain, we will make them see um, our injustice like that. That whole line is just encapsulates the entire view. I like how upfront he is about like, this is hard and it's going to mm-hmm. hurt. Like physically, emotionally, mentally. It will not be pleasant, but it is important. And the way they film that scene in that uh, auditorium of sorts where they just show the immense number of people that are, are reacting to this. I don't know. It's great. I know. I was like, where are the women? Where are they? Where I are mean, they there was a scene way toward the end. We see more of, we, we see uh, more women yeah. get involved later on, which I, I mm-hmm. really liked and appreciated. Um, especially as like his wife's uh, influence and role in the movement starts to, to mm-hmm. be a little bit more present. Um, we also have a blast from the past. Ian. We do. From a Chariots oh my of Fire. Ian Charleston, who played a little in Chariots of Fire, comes in as a reverend who uh, wants to help out and be part of the I'm movement. just glad he was given better material and less screen time. He was a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. So I, No, I'm I, with you. I'm with you on it. I, I just... I thought he was fine. But it was funny that he's playing another extremely relig- religious character. Yeah, he got hardcore typecast. Um, I will say it did take me out of the film for a second, mostly because I was just like, I'm not over the fact that I had to watch Chariots <laughs> of Fire when I could have been watching Indiana Jones. So, oh no, that's totally fair. So, in the sequence, there's they protest the mine owner, which was a really moving scene to me, especially the way they filmed it with the mounted riders. Um, and honestly, this does that really work lying on the ground if a horse is I don't charging know, but at I'm you? glad they were. Quick thinking, and it worked in that case. Yeah, I'm glad that one guy knew what was up. Um, no, I was sitting there being like, does that really work? And I'm also like, would you chance it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would. Um, yeah, but but the that results, you know, in, in Gandhi getting imprisoned, ultimately. But. I think this is imprisonment number one. That also becomes it a does. trend. It's, it's many times. I think at one point he even like makes a comment on it where he's like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm I'm very used to this or something like yeah. that. But I, I do appreciate the fact that like the way that this is diffused is Gandhi is pulled out of the prison, like talks to the d- chancellor, viceroy, leader of whatever. Um, and he's going to get the law changed. The government, the government yeah, official. Exactly. But I thought it was funny that in his like uh, negotiation, he's like, OK, I'm not going to move the goalpost now that we're in a position of advantage, <laughs> which, again, is just like building yeah. this this character, um, building up this character's character. Um, 
Well, because I think that they're especially kind of early on, like there is almost a naive quality mm-hmm. to Gandhi. I don't know if it's naivety so much as like a lack of cynicism yeah. or something. You know what I mean? But just like the idea that he's like, no, like everything like this is unjust and we can change it. Like he, he still has mm-hmm. that hope. So maybe it's not naivety. Maybe it's, it's a hope that we sometimes like attribute to, na- yeah. to naivety. And don't have because of our overwhelming ennui. Because <laughs> we're <laughs> cynical millennials at this point. Um, but I like that you then see, you see him be so savvy, which of course yeah. he is. He's a lawyer. He knows the law. He knows how to negotiate. But I like that they never lose sight of that. And I, I feel like there's a mischievousness that Kingsley brings to the character that it's like he plays on, especially later, he plays on the like, oh, but I'm this mm-hmm. sweet little old man. I'm so cute. And I'm also going to completely maneuver this out from under you and make you Roasted. change the law. <laughs> yes. I and love it. I mean, the the conversation about the taxi, because he's in his prison clothes, he's like, I would t- like to take a taxi <laughs> back, but I have no money. <laughs> would you mind? <laughs> and I love that the the government guy's like, oh, I... I don't have any money on me either. And then he calls in like his mm-hmm. secretaries. He's like, uh, give Mr. Gandhi some money for a cab. <laughs> and the guy's like, I'm sorry. That was hilarious in like a, a small little way. But that that is the, the film does that several times where there are these moments of, of like levity and dry humor that are just great. There has to be. It's a three hour long plus movie about like, really sad, heavy topics. You have to find little bits of levity to relieve the tension and then also set you up so that when the next injustice happens, you can ramp mm-hmm. back up to it. So that pretty much wraps up South Africa. So he he returns to, at that time, Bombay, India in 1915. His receive, like him being received by his fellow Indian people is a huge do. And I kind of appreciated how uncomfortable he was with the whole affair. I, there's also something interesting that they do before they cut to him. They have, I think it's two English Mm -hmm. guys talking and then they mention him. So, but they don't know mm-hmm. a lot about him. Or like one of them mentions him to the other person is kind of explaining who he is. Um, so one, it kind of level sets for the audience. Like here's where he is notoriety wise at this point. But it also is a signal that like mm-hmm. he is gaining notoriety and that like they're going to have they being like the white British upper class in India at the time is going to have to take notice of him pretty soon. I do really love in that scene too, where they're talking about Gandhi, the way they contrast the crowd of Indian people greeting him versus greeting Gandhi. That is versus the like measly little band greeting the general coming to India. So like, it's just like foreshadowing of things to come. So he he is back in India now um, and almost immediately gets pulled into discussions about Indian independence. I also want to once again, highlighting that costume. Oh, my goodness. Yes. In South Africa, we saw him in very like, quote unquote, Western suits like he was wearing the three piece suit that you think of in the Edwardian era. Um, 
now he's wearing traditional garb stepping mm-hmm. off that boat it is a, a very good transition away from that and it just he he just continues down that path the rest of the film which i love yeah and i like that there there i think there's like one line about it where like one of the people who's coming to like greet him as part of the reception kind of like makes mm-hmm. a comment on it but in general they don't go like super hard on it but they use it as like great visual mm-hmm. symbolism that like something's changed and yeah i, like I do that. too but he he very quickly gets pulled into this Indian independence discussion, which, given his activism in South Africa, makes total sense. Um, not going to lie, when that scene happened, I was a little bit confused as to like what was going on, why he was at this fancy con- a congressperson's house, or what did they, um, councilman, what there was a term that they used, and I can't remember it. And it's like Brazier. I can't remember it either. They, there was... There was a lot of government terms and titles. Yeah. And several military terms and titles that I honestly could not fully unpack. Everybody yeah. had a title. So, anyway, who, whoever's house he was at, there he's immediately brought into this. But again, kind of playing into that humility that they're they're giving this character of gandhi is that like i don't know my country (laughs) because you know he's gone away to england to study he's been in south africa like he's got to take that time and that leads into one of my favorite movie montages well and i think when he's also saying i don't know my country he's also been a part of or moved within Mm, certain classes too right so i think there's an element to him it's like i don't understand what the average day in the life is for the vast majority mm-hmm. of people from my country. Um, so I think there's an element of that too. And then also I think visually having him like meet at that congressman's house, it shows that he is something yeah. different and something new and that he's bringing new ideas to the table because it's to like, to a certain extent, he almost like looks out of yeah. place but he's being like, no, this is where I should be because this is where I'm going to start making mm-hmm. the change. It's such a good contrast. And the fact that they are like, there was part of me that's like, okay, should I be interpreting these government officials as exploiting Gandhi or is like, I don't know it. it there was kind of that power divide. Like it wasn't a power divide, but it was set up in a way where I was like a little bit, worried that that was what was happening but definitely not by the end of the film i mean i think it's just people who in the end want the same thing as gandhi they want an independent india but at least initially and to some extent later in the film too like their idea of how to achieve it and what that Mm -hmm. looks like at the end of the day is just yeah different from what gandhi sees um because and i think he even talks about it um later where he's talking about like the decision to live on the Mm -hmm. ashram and to like weave his own clothes and grow his own food and stuff like that is you know if like if we're saying that independence is just doing the same thing that the british were doing but we're running it like is that really any different or any better and like by mimicking like 
Western dress mm-hmm. and stuff and, 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 and adopting that in order to raise our own station. Like, are we just feeding into this mm-hmm. machine in a way? I, he says it much more eloquently than I just described it, but. But I get what you're trying to say. So, yeah, I think that's that's like a the scene that we were just talking about, I think, is like a visual representation mm-hmm. of that conversation that happens later. True. So the traveling around India montage is honestly one of my favorite movie montages. And this is the only bit that I was like, it was a little uh, it, long. It was like maybe a couple cuts too long. <laughs> but between the soundtrack and the beautiful cinematography and kind of the way that you see the characters becoming familiar with one another and just like, okay, this is our life. We're doing this. I, I don't know. I just, I found it so endearing. I did like the the comedy with the train oh my and goodness, the tunnel <laughs> where they're getting the, it's like so hot in the train. And so uh, like Gandhi and the Reverend mm-hmm. have like stuck their heads out of the train and they're, and uh, his wife, uh, Kasturba is like, no, like <laughs> move your head inside the train. And they're like, oh, but it's hot. We love this. And so then the Reverend, like you have the uh-huh. people sitting on top of the train and they're like being like, yeah, come up here. Like it's, if you want the fresh air, come up here. So the Reverend starts to climb up there and the people on top are trying to help him. But the Kasturba is like, no, legs. what are you doing? And like, <laughs> yeah, he finally gets up there. And right after he gets settled, they're like heading towards a tunnel and he's like, Oh God. And everyone on top is like, no, no, just lie down. <laughs> that was again, more of that comedic. It was relief. a wonderful little bit of like physical comedy. Yeah. So uh, we get the impression that Gandhi has kind of traveled and understood the country to his liking. Maybe not as much as I, I think he even makes a comment where it's like, I've only seen a fraction. So like it, it, yeah. So not even really to his liking, but some we'll just go with some, Um, but uh, and ends up getting uh, pulled into making a speech for this one independence rally. I'm trying to remember exactly the words that he was using, but I one, like you mentioned, the contrast between the other folks suits and his dress and then some of the comments he was making. I'm trying to remember and it's killing me, but it it was like, okay, this might've been more than the independence folks had bargained for. (laughs) So that. Well, I think there's a really cool thing too, that happens with the crowd, right? So you have people, you have various figures, um, speaking here. I think, is this the first time we meet Jenna Nehru? I think he's been in some conversations up to this point, but but we see, you know, there are some decent crowds. Uh, they introduce Gandhi. A lot of people start to get up and kind of leave. But as mm-hmm. he's talking, you see people settle down. And in the end, everyone is it's just rapt attention. Followed by a huge round of applause because he's really you know, you have all these other politicians who are speaking in almost terms of mm-hmm. political theory. They're speaking in about levels of government that like, I mean, like the average person is like, yeah, I know what that is. Sure. I know theoretically that they impact me, but like that, like political thing that you're talking about, like, that's not my problem. My problem is that my crops are dying. I'm being forced to grow something that is terrible for the land and not, um, not not looking for the word renewable, but you know what it, I mean? Like, yeah, sustainable. sustainable. It's a cash crop that you can't yes, eat. I'm being forced. 
that, that's my turn to not know <laughs> what we're hard. into today. Um, but, you know, I'm being forced to grow something that isn't sustainable. I can't feed my family because now I can't pay the mm-hmm. taxes. You know, Gandhi's the first one who steps up and starts speaking to, like, the day-to-day struggle of living. And that is what those people sitting in the crowd are like. Mm-hmm. Yes, somebody gets Crossing it. that class divide. Which we get to see yep. in massive detail in kind of the next you know section of the film where he has gone to speak with a farming community that again as you mentioned has been directed to grow indigo but cannot sell the indigo (laughs) to feed their families because this again this is where they're getting into some of the nitty-gritty but like in a way that was very accessible i think because they're explaining that It used to be that England and a lot of the rest of the world got a lot of their indigo from Mm -hmm. India. And then they would buy it to, like, dye clothes and everything. And so the governor or whatever government official was in charge of that area would take the tax in the form of indigo. Well, now... Britain is dyeing their own clothes. They're getting their raw materials from somewhere else. They're not getting them from India anymore. So the government official no longer takes their tax in indigo. They take it in cash, basically. And that screws over the people in the village because they're being forced to grow something that they now Mm -hmm. can't sell. Can't eat it. And so you can't... Yeah, you also can't eat it. Like, how... Like, you can't afford to pay your taxes... And also what money you're putting in your taxes, like you now have nothing to feed your family. So I feel like it just it broke down a global trade route for me very succinctly. No, I I do think it was pretty much. I actually am like a nerd for like the political and economic side of history. But like I so I liked that it did that, but in a very accessible, concise way. And at the same time also was like, hey, we're going to do it also with a great acting so that you're like super emotional about the indigo trade yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, but then he again uh, is arrested again on trumped up charges for drink every time he's yeah, arrested. Yeah, don't because that don't do that. It's sort don't. of like drink every time there's slow mo in uh, chariots of fire. <laughs> we, come, we come up with really bad <laughs> drinking games, like yeah, really like, bad, actively ones. unsafe. So how, uh, how don't don't do them. <laughs> But the the courtroom scene after his arrest is really, I think, the start of a couple that were just glorious because they do sentence Gandhi, but he's like, I'm not going to pay my uh, bail. Well, he doesn't even I like that the judge is like, so I assume you're going to be defending yourself because you're a lawyer. He's like, oh, no, I'm not. Like, I'm guilty of the thing that you're saying I did. This was this not a, that court scene. Damn it. I'll save it. <laughs> There's a there lot are. of court scenes. This one, this one he so was many. like, I think it was like disturbing the peace or something bullshitty like that. Gotcha. But the, the judge sets some bail and he's like, I won't pay it. I'm just not going to. And the judge ends up just releasing him. <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> oh, oh, I remember this one. It's because. It's for disturbing the peace, but he like wasn't doing anything. And like the judge is basically like, I need to review Mm -hmm. the charges. So until then, here's your bail. But he's not under arrest. So when he refuses to pay the bail, since he's not really under arrest, this was my take on it, at least Uh as a non-lawyer, since he's not under arrest and he's refusing to pay the bail, like 
they kind of can't do anything. So he lets them go. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um, and, and the thing is coming out of all of this, it comes out at the end of the set of scenes that the reason those taxes were changed was because the viceroy wanted to go on another hunting trip. So uh, speaking of continuing this like indignation of the viewer, like such a well-constructed, like, I, I don't want to call it a vignette because it's longer than a vignette, but it's just like the, the, that section. They hit all the right emotional beats. Like they're like, you need a little bit of comedy. Here's a bit of comedy. You need to get riled. We're going to get you very riled. Yes. Yes. And so kind of rolling into the next massive protest that was spearheaded by Gandhi. This was the um, day of fasting and prayer where the message was, okay, England, you cannot run this country if we all just stop working. And they. It's the power of labor. Like it's. And yeah. I, I loved the scene with the English leadership, how they're all like, okay, it's, it's no big deal. They're not really going to do it. And the self-righteousness that these actors portrayed these figures with was just so good. And again, it, it just makes you dislike them for their own self-righteousness. The The English actors went all in on uh portraying yeah. the baddies i like that they they did not hold back they were like we we know what yeah. we are in this and it's not the good guys um, <laughs> no, it's not the good guys um i think this really kind of highlights i'm going to call it gandhi's superpower and that is the ability to organize mm-hmm. and the ability to get buy-in from so many people across so many geographical locations um across multiple religions which will come up later again and just like yeah like the ability that he's like okay we're gonna do this thing that like is a huge undertaking but i'm gonna get it done because like you trust me and i've convinced you that this is the way to do it so gandhi is arrested again for sedition i think is the charge this time I don't know. It's one of those other ones that you're kind of like, eh, is that a real thing? Yeah, wasn't sure. Don't worry about it. It's a bullshit charge. We don't need to worry about it. (laughs) But in, in when one of his friends visits him in, in the, when one of his friends visits him in the jail, that's when like you again, get this reiteration of the nonviolence piece. Um, And the fact that they roll that into the April 6th massacre is just, Filmmaking is great. The juxtaposition, just impeccable. And so that massacre scene, I would say, is one of the more powerful scenes that I've seen, like, in any Oscar Best Picture winner. Like, I would absolutely um, agree. I think really what it comes down to is, one, the lead up to it (laughs) is so great at building tension. And the way that the soundtrack comes in at just the right moments and hits the right mood um really really magnifies kind of the feelings of that and the way you're juxtaposing the shots of the peaceful protesters who are talking about like mm-hmm. nonviolence and just non-cooperation juxtaposed with like the fucking army rolling yeah. in yeah and with a tank what was the there was some comment about like should we should we fire a warning shot and the the commander of that particular like group of soldiers 
says they've had their warning and just opens fire. And again, this is just clearly emphasizing the unjust nature of this entire enterprise. Yeah. And it, it is absolutely brutally shot. Mm -hmm. Like you, you see it, you see everything you see. It it goes Mm -hmm. on a long time too, but here I don't think it's a case of like, Oh, it's too long trim. No, no, no. This was purposefully, this purposely goes on for a long time because you're just sitting there being like, when will yep. it end? When will it end? When will it end? It reminded me a lot of um, the way a lot of the war stuff was shot in um, all yes. quite on Western Front, it, actually. It, especially the scene of them on their knees with the casings just piling up below their guns. Like, yes, I oh my 100% God. agree with that parallel. Yeah. And then you have, I guess it's like a big well. I think so. In the center of the courtyard, I think it's a well that people are just jumping into to try and get some sort of cover because they can't get out of mm-hmm. the courtyard. Um, so you're seeing that you're seeing, you know, there's children crying. You see the casings just dropping. It is it is an absolutely brutal scene. It is incredibly mm-hmm. emotionally effective. But the way they then cut right into the trial and that first scene well shot rather of the commanding officer in profile against the British flag, like, like he's on the money. Like it, that was just such a, a condemnation of, of that whole British colonial everything. Yeah. Just visually. And I think that's so important going into this scene because Mm -hmm. I think this scene could have felt like it was trying to be almost apologetic and be like, oh, but he was just one bad person. Mm -hmm. But I think having that shot being like, no, 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 this person is representative of a shitty, shitty system. He's a symbol, not a person. Right. And I think the way this scene is handled, they are able to get across the idea of the guys who like, this panel who's grilling this general and being like, were you aware that there were women and children in the crowd? Which like, I like, like we shouldn't mow down men either. Just going to throw that crazy idea out there. Um, and just being like, Oh, you weren't able to get the tank in. If you had, would you have used it? And he's like, yeah. So them, like, I felt like the way the scene was handled was I, I was also so angry at that panel for being Mm -hmm. like, why are you at all surprised that this happened? Like if you have a system in place that allows this kind of thing to happen and these kind of people to be in a position to do this kind of thing, like that is on you. Like, why'd you give that general the responsibility? That's not a, oh, it was one bad apple. Like there are certain, you know what? There are certain, certain barrels of apples where you can't have a bad apple. Like it's just unacceptable. Yeah. And I, it's, it is very, this was kind of a shift in at least some of the, I guess, British government, my views of portions of their kind of colonial government, because they were giving this, this general every out possible with their questioning and he just was being a horrible person to be a horrible person to teach them a lesson, which like ugh. that the way that actor did it was 
it wasn't like an, I did a horrible thing and I recognized it. I did a horrible thing. He almost played it as if confused because he had been taught. He was in the right. Yeah. Via this, this societal structure, this political structure, this economic structure that like, like he he didn't see the people he massacred as people Mm -hmm. because of that. And so I think that just highlighted like the, what the fuck nature (laughs) of everything that's happening. Yeah. And the fact that they ended on how does a child apply for help? And you just see this kind of look on a quizzical look on his face. I was just like, like the question oh never, God. because they're like, did you offer aid to anybody? He's like, I was ready for anyone who applied for it. And then it's like, well, how can a child apply for help? Like, yeah. what? yeah. As if it had never occurred to him before. It probably didn't. But you roll immediately onto a scene of Gandhi looking over the massacre site, which is production design. Yes. Because that well is just ringed in blood. Mm -hmm. And Ben Kingsley's face at the end of that scene. He does so much with his eyes. Like how? So much with his eyes. And and that's what you're left lingering on when we cut to intermission. It's such a great cut to intermission. It's so good. Chef's kiss, like just wring me dry of all the feels and then sit me in an intermission and let me let me sit with myself. (laughs) Yeah, let me sit with my feels, wallow in them for a bit and then collect myself. Um, But I I do like that that cuts to intermission because you really do like you have to sit with that Uh sequence for a little while. Um, And that's brilliant and incredibly well done. Yeah, completely agree. But this is the first time we really get Gandhi when we come back, um, kind of second guessing himself a little bit. Was this the council talking about the British government? And there was that beautiful line about you would agree that they prefer their own poor government over an alien government or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but I think there, there's a bit where he's second guessing himself because he feels partially responsible for the massacre. Mm. Well, even and though they like, do- Dude, so not your fault. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, they do bring that theme back at the very end as well, where it's like, it, at least the character of Gandhi in this film takes on a lot of personal responsibility for things that one could argue are so far outside of his control. <laughs> well, I think it's, he obviously has a very high standard for himself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's that he necessarily in the movie judges people for not meeting it, but I think it's that there's an element of him that just assumes that other people will be the same way. Yeah. And that people are going to meet that standard. Um, and that's just not always the case or it's, Oh, but there is the conversation where he is talking to the British. I think this is what you were talking about. I was just getting through my notes where one of the British guys says, uh, you don't think we're just going to just walk out. Do you? And he's like, yes, <laughs> yes, I think that's exactly what you're going to do. Yeah, that conversation was good. That that was the like the British colonial apologist uh like discussion of we repudiate this violence and all that and I'm like, "Oh, yeah. Sure you do. Sure." You can repudiate it all you want, but you created the system that allowed it to happen and allow it to continue to happen. Um Yeah. Yeah, get out. Um or walk away, just leave. Um <laughs> But I, I think the ne- next kind of set of protest scenes, um, it, it's interesting because, again, 
you get to see Gandhi characterized as being very savvy because he is going after the textile trade and kind of the Im- impacts locally that that has had on. Well, I I had a note that I was like, this is basically by local. Yeah, exactly. It's like, don't yeah. don't don't send away. We're also to- seeing more women speaking. And I liked that. I mm-hmm. just noted it. Well, his his wife, I think it's become very clear at this point that she has is instrumental in this campaign she's a participant like a full yeah participant in this yeah so um but we do get a another pretty violent scene this time kind of in reverse i guess where you have folks demonstrating in the streets but ultimately in retaliation for these police officers beating a small group of these protesters the mob goes after them and ends up killing one of them this is this is where Gandhi starts to second guess himself. I think this is the first mm-hmm. hunger strike. Yes, right? it is okay. actually. So that was, um, yeah, I almost put a hunger strike in the first half, which is not where it belongs. Nope. Um, but again, the way they film that scene really like it, it's reminiscent of the the massacre of the protesters um, around the well as well. So they they use you know, such a visual cues to show that. And the way that they cut to black and silent after you see one of the protesters swinging down the ax, like just such an impactful way to cut to this, this next scene. Um, and this is where we get the eye for an eye makes the whole world blind quote for the first time. Um, and I think that is Gandhi's, uh, first hunger strike. Yeah. Um, this is has Mirabin showed up yet? Is she here for this? Yes, we got a little okay. bit more at the uh, ashram and she was introduced sort of. But I like I actually wasn't 100 percent sure who she was and why she was there. She was like a British lady who I think had like followed Gandhi's story and had like written to him or something and like wanted to come live on the ashram and help and stuff. She's she just does a little bit more later with like him and his wife, like she and his wife are very close. So mm-hmm. that's just why I wanted to like bring her up. But yeah, this is hunger strike number one. And it works. <laughs> yeah, which I. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because, again, like my understanding of the real life Gandhi is that the amount of respect and veneration and like sway that he held would, would command something like that. But it was a relief when he finally ate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Cause I, I think there was really this one, um, one particular shot where Mirabin, it was, was speaking to him and it was a close up is, on both of them. This is where that he asks her if he, if she thinks he's stubborn. <laughs> and she's like, yes, there, there was also, she said something like, I know you're right, but I'm not sure this is right. And like some of these lines in the writing are just like so perfect for the time that they're in. Um, And the way that this movie films kind of close-ups and one-on-one conversations, like I wouldn't call it particularly inventive, but it is so well executed. And the way they like put it in between the rest of the scene, I, I don't know. It, it just, the, the overall effect I thought was spectacular. And this was one of those scenes with Mirabin talking to uh, Gandhi as he's laying weak from, you know, fasting. Yeah. I will say my one thing about this film 
is that I would have liked to see, because we definitely towards, especially the end of the film, we see more interaction with like him and his wife. I wish we'd seen more interaction with like him and his family. Like I wanted to see more interaction with him and his kids. Yeah. I mean, we got a little bit of that and very little and nothing really meaningful. So I, I think there was some shorthand in there, like with the, the teasing one of the younger kids about the goat and how it'll knock him over. And yeah, but like, like from the reading that I did ahead of time, like it seemed like two of his sons were like very involved in like the movement and the protests mm. and stuff. And like, I don't know. I feel like, you know, I mentioned earlier that some of the criticism around the movie was that it, it kind of like over sanctified him to a point where it kind of took away. Like this was a living, breathing person almost like it, it almost like, played too much to him as a symbol. And I feel like just watching him like interact more with like a family, like his family. Yeah. That could have made it more real. That's fair. I don't know. It was just a side that like I wanted to see more of. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I would also say that by putting so much on one singular figure, to some extent, you also discount the contributions of those around him. Right, <laughs> but also like he is the main character. I mean, of yeah, the it's a biopic, film. not a not a documentary. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I I do agree with you though. Um, but really, after this is is hunger strike is ended, he's again arrested, and it might have been first edition this time or last time. Can't remember. Right, who knows what it's for even more e- anymore? But like, they're literally the the British government at this point is like. Hmm. You breathed. Have we rested Gandhi lately? <laughs> it's been three days. <laughs> they're, they're like, I'm worried that something in the future might happen. Let's arrest Gandhi just to be sure. Like, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. And then every time they arrest him, it's like, dude, every time you arrest this guy, like. <laughs> it does not end up in your favor. No. Maybe you should think about that. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but the, this is the court scene that is hands down my favorite because it, it's very clear that the judge has a lot of respect for Gandhi and the way that they bring him in the courtroom and the judge stands and forces everyone else to stand. Yeah. Um, this is the one I think where he's like, are you defending? Is this one where he's like, are you defending yourself? Yes. And Gandhi's <laughs> like, no, um, I'm guilty. But like the law is a flawed law. Yeah. And he puts it on the judge to be like, you know, as a judge, I know it's your job to uphold the law. Mm-hmm. Are you going to, but like ethically, should you uphold a corrupt law? Oh yes. And the way that they focus on his face and the way Ben Kingsley challenges this judge with his expressions are just. He always amazing. turns it back on the system. Oh yeah. Which is such a, I mean, it, like you put it, it's kind of this, organizing as a superpower, deflecting this stuff also a superpower. But is it really deflecting if like it is actually the system that's broken? Or is it highlighting the issue? Well, he's deflecting it off himself. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree that it's really highlighting the issue. But the, the judge's comment at the end of this after he gives a six year sentence is amazing. Well, because since. Gandhi is not offering any defense and he's pleading like he's say, admitting that he's guilty. Basically, basically, he maneuvers it so that he's like, judge, you are obligated to give me the full sentence. Yep. And the judge is like, OK, I will, because it's my job. But 
if in the future Her Majesty's government sees it fit to reduce the term, no one will be better pleased than I. And I'm like, uh, if there is not like a wholehearted like advocate. Uh, I think it's the it's the inkling that minds are changing. Yeah. And it's and at least recognition with people in that system that like, OK, this is bullshit. Yeah. It's like people within the government are now actually admitting that it's bullshit. Yeah, finally. Finally. Now we just need them to do something about it. So we flash forward a number of years sometime later as they put on the slide to Gandhi's home province. Great aging makeup. Oh, they do. It it was actually very good. Every single one of these actors, because we haven't talked a lot about them to this point. I think we're about to talk more about them. But um, there are several like political figures that are around, but particularly Jenna and Nehru are like the two that we really see the most Mm -hmm. of. But like every single one of those actors who play like the politicians who we see again and again and uh, the actress who plays uh, Kasturba, like, they change their physicality so well too and Kingsley of course but like everyone they just the aging makeup's great they change their physicality so much and it's just I love it I just love it's just so nice it's just when you see a good job done Ian just it's pretty good it's great so next kind of section um uh, goes into the symbolism of salt and Gandhi's march to the sea. So Gandhi gets this idea while talking with a reporter looking at the sea and being like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make salt, which apparently the British government had a monopoly over, which sounds like such a British colonial bullshit thing to do. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Well, it's like something that, and I, I was like thinking about this at the time I was watching it. I was like, salt is something that I know at least I totally take for granted. Mm -hmm. And it's like the idea that something as mundane seeming to be a salt could have such huge symbolism was just like I don't know it was a little bit of like a, a mind fuck for me but yeah. um, they do a, a nice little bit here again where they give us like a very detailed <laughs> but accessible explanation of the political forces at work mm-hmm. so that we're not just sitting there being like okay this is a symbol but why and that is again that the colonial government had a monopoly on salt and so you couldn't make salt without like a license and approval from the government and paying the government so the act of being like hey this natural resource of my country is a thing that i should just be able to have access to and like really taking it back and reclaiming it is a huge stand Mm -hmm. And the actual march, it, just the way, again, it was filmed and the way you see the crowds grow as he he makes his way to the sea. And he's got the press there again. So savvy. So very savvy. We have Marty Sheen hanging out, doing the walk with him. Um, it's glorious. And I love how you do get some in, interspersed discussions with the colonial leadership there where they're just like, eh, just ignore him. It's fine. But, well, you have the one guy being like, you can't just ignore this. Then then you have like the other guy being like, no, we can't. The Viceroy is an idiot. Um, but when the salt market pops up in like open defiance, that's when this whole nonviolent principle like really comes to roost. And you get to see 
And that, ooh, that's a little too eager. You are shown the, like, in this case, Indian people's willingness to put their bodies on the line for independence. And you see it a little bit in the salt markets, but you really see it in the salt work scene. And this is another one of those extremely violent, extremely powerful and so masterfully executed. I also want to make it clear when we're talking about like these scenes being very violent, they definitely are, but I would not necessarily call them gory. Yes. Which I think is important because I think when you over gore something, one, I don't, I don't like gore and Mm -hmm. two, but two, I feel like it, it almost takes it into a realm of like camp. Yeah. And that's not what any of this is. Like, it's just, it's incredibly effectively shot Mm -hmm. once again. And it, it just makes it more real to me. And, and so when you see in this particular scene, you have the protesters lining up to get into the salt works and the, I presume the army on the other side and just line after line of men just walk up and get beat. It's a column of men on this road four abreast and they go one line up at a time mm-hmm. to get to the salt works. And each time they are beaten and you have um, the women standing by there. You can see them rolling bandages ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Like they're preparing for what they know is going to be awful. And you have um, the reporter there, um, Martin Sheen. I forget what that reporter's name is. He's from the New York Martin Times. Don't, don't worry about it. But, but, but you he, see him sitting there. Yeah. Oh, God. Yes. When the the um, it's him and uh, the actor who plays Uncle Vernon. In the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> um, both of them know what's coming as well. And so it's a, the very tense setup of like the shots of everybody just kind of waiting for this to happen. But yeah, I love when Martin Sheen's character turns away and just crosses himself because like he knows that this is about to be awful. But mm-hmm. you can tell he also feels a duty to report on it because after this scene, this awful scene, we see him in a telephone booth. We're at a telegraph station. I couldn't tell. Yeah, which he's like one. yelling into it, but they even start his yelling before they cut to him like doing it. So the way that they transitioned that was glorious. But it's him describing, um, v- you know, in vivid detail and with a lot of emotion what he witnessed. Yeah. So such a powerful set of scenes. I, mm-hmm. It's it. It's one of those things where I'm like, you have to see this scene. It's hard to it, like, it's not the most fun. <laughs> But it's every so single actor <laughs> fucking killed it. Yeah. Like every because you would get the close up shots of every man walking up to that line and every single one of them slayed. And it's like you it's probably extra. It's like I, these these people didn't have lines. They didn't have to but be as it. great as they were. And but they were. Yeah. Ah, so good. But that does actually spur the the whole salt dis, uh, protests um, does spur some action. Now, as I like to call it, the charade in England, um, <laughs> this is this is where we get to see Gandhi traveling to London to like talk about Indian this independence. Is 30s, I think. I think we're before we're before World War Two, right? I believe so. Okay. Yes. In general, conversations about "Mm, colonialism, maybe we should all now recognize that it's bad and stop doing it, are starting to take place. 
Yes. And you can tell that they're starting to take place, but the one scene, it, it, the way that they filmed this whole sequence, I, I actually appreciated because it was kind of like newsreel like, which I like that because it took you out of the more real feeling story in India and into this fantasy world called London. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Like it is a charade. So like it feels it feels different. It feels out of place. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel real. It feels like you're in a newsreel. And from all of the movies that we've saw, especially early on, we had a lot of newsreels. And I mm-hmm. always associate the newsreel with like World War II and propaganda. Mm-hmm. So like it feels right. Ooh, Cause like that's a cool reading. Yeah, Cause like the British, like they're doing this as like a propaganda. Yeah. And they are. <laughs> and you can tell by his expression in the one in color scene in there where they're actually talking to the committee where he's like, this is a ruse. This is not actually happening. Like mm-hmm. you can see it on his face. So it, ah, that was a, a really cool interlude. Yeah. So we get back into India. Um, and of course, Gandhi, his wife, um, Mirabin are all like, still going around doing their organizing thing. They all get arrested. Oh God. I love this bit where they're getting off a train and they're going to go talk. And we're now in world war two. You have these soldiers are like, uh, Mr. Gandhi, uh, what were you going to be speaking about? And he was like, he says something like so mundane. He's like, of course it's, I will. The uh, value of goat's milk in the everyday diet. Yeah. uh, Something like that. But he's like, but you know, if, Nonviolence comes up. I will be speaking about nonviolence, which, of course, at a time when the British government is at war with Germany, etc. Like in wartime, governments get a little mm, about nonviolence, even though I think we can <laughs> all agree mm. that like being in war is not the first choice. I think most people would be like, I would choose. I would rather not. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. a crazy take, but. Um, anyway, so they say that. So they're like, well, then we're going to have to arrest you. <laughs> I love that the soldier turns to, uh, Kastorba and is like, oh, but don't worry, Mrs. Gandhi, like you're free to go. And she's like, okay, well then I'm going to be speaking in his place. Like that was my plan. And they're like, <laughs> well, I'm afraid you're under arrest too. And you see them march out. And then you also see Mirabin, who was with them, also being marched yeah. out. And which is like the implication was that they were like, okay, but you can go. And she was like, actually, <laughs> I was plan C. So take me too. And they do, they do get imprisoned at what, I mean, it's a prison and the leading up uh, there's a life reporter that's coming there and her chauffeur guy was like, Oh, it's yeah. Um, but, but the person driving her is like, Oh, it's a really nice palace, but I guess it's, you're still locked up. And I'm like, yeah, I, that is yes. <laughs> but I loved this, this life interview bit. Cause I, I don't know it. I don't know why I loved it, but I loved it. And I, like, I can't it's articulate we get why. a little bit of mischievous Gandhi. Exactly. Yeah. And and we get to see that, like, it's clear that he is. It's clear that his message is like really outgrowing just him. It, in it's, India. A glo- it's a global message now and that it's really resonating yeah. with a lot of people and that, you know, all of the work he's done and. All of the the times he's reached out to reporters, all of the stuff, like every sort of gesture that he's made 
people everywhere are noticing and paying yeah. attention to. I do also like um, the that like it's kind of clear too, though that that like the people like guarding the the quote unquote prison. Uh, not quote unquote because he isn't locked up and his freedom has been taken away, but quote unquote because it's clearly like a place that they were like, we'll use this as a prison now. Um, that they do like Gandhi, that like mm-hmm. there is a charisma to him and like a magnetism to him. Cause I think that's also the other bit where you like keep introducing these characters, which I think they do a great job of. It's a lot of characters mm-hmm. and a a lot of characters get introduced late in the movie too. Like everyone I think kind of cycles in and out a lot of the time. Movie yeah. does a great job of handling that and of like bringing people back from earlier and the way that they were showcased or the way that the performances were done, like they're memorable enough to you to like generally like you have an idea of who this person is, even if they had low screen mm-hmm. time. Um, but I think it just highlights that you have these new people who come in and are so drawn to him that like he has a charisma and that people want to follow him that yeah. like he's got a powerful message, but also like you kind of like him. Yeah. And it's, it, it's almost the apologetic, like, Oh, I'm sorry. I have to arrest you, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm which like, I think again, no, is, you, is, you don't have to, yeah, no, you but... don't have to, but it's, it's again, you people, we just need them to take that step of they've admitted that it's fucked up. Now we just need them to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. But the really sad part of this sequence is um, Kasturba's death. And so it's evident that she's had a heart attack, like we're told that. Well, because they're going to move or were they going to release her or move her? Maybe I think they were going to move her to a hospital. And but the, the, the doctor, doctor on site's like, like it's not going to happen. No. Um. But the way that they show Gandhi like sitting quietly back behind Kasturba, she's laid out on a cot, um, him coming up and being like, okay, I'm going to go for my walk now. Kasturba does not let him go. And this just is so incredibly sweet. And you don't see Gandhi get very emotional, but when she does pass, Again, like I cried with, with his eyes. It's the single tear yeah. rolling down. Oh gosh, it's so powerful. And the the low view and like and the I also close just, up on I him. I just gave like, him uh, props. I need to give her props too. Um, Rohini Hatangadi, who plays uh, Kasturba, is impeccable. And I believe she won a BAFTA for this. Yeah, role? I think she won a BAFTA so. for Best Supporting Actress. Um, she's she's incredible, and yeah, again, another like neither of them have lines. The only lines that I think are in that scene are like him not going for his walk and him asking like Mirabin to go walk with the people who have come to see him. But it's just the two of them in silence, being great <laughs> and making me cry. Yeah, <laughs> so. So, so yeah, very Oh, the cry count powerful. was high in this film. It was. Well, and it increased a lot towards the end. And I, I don't know if that was just like it was toward the end of the day and I started getting tired and extra <laughs> emotional or what. But <laughs> yes, it it got high. <laughs> um, We're getting close to independence. Yes. And so it, it's very clear that there is rumblings of this but you really start getting some of the hindu versus muslim dichotomy coming out and the the fact that the the 
the two groups is characterized are like very wary of the other. Because up until this point, like now that independence is closer on the horizon and like happening, um, although there is a scene where um, you have the British people and they're being like, well, we need to ensure that like religious freedom happens. And it's like, dude, that's so laughable. <laughs> coming, yeah, I, I don't want to hear from it. the British Empire. <laughs> that is laughable. But we're starting to see those internal divisions mm-hmm. in um, the Indian independence movement along those religious lines. Uh, and this is where you have Jenna, who is like the most prominent Muslim figure in the movement. And then you have Gandhi, who I would say like technically Hindu, but really Gandhi considered himself a member of almost all religions to a certain point. Yeah. And it's he on his way from the ashram to go talk to all of these political figures. He like chastises this protest group saying, like, as you said, I am Hindu. I am Muslim. I am Jewish. Like all of that. Um, Kingsley killed the performance again, like in that particular scene, because like he he was borderline angry, but not so angry. Like it, it, it was, was just to get cool his point to see how he did that. Um, yeah. But I, I think this is where. I think some people had criticized the portrayal of Jenna as saying he was kind of vilified. I thought the performance here from Alake Padamsi, I think he does a great job of showing the nuance there and that it like what the core concern is with his interaction. There's a line that Jenna has in particular where Gandhi's saying, like, Gandhi's basically saying, like, it'll be fine. Like, we fought for this thing together. It'll be fine. Like, we've been united. Um, and they've been united because they had a common enemy. Yeah. And a common goal. But now that they don't. And Jenna's thinking ahead to the future and problems. And Jenna says something to Gandhi where he's like, but not all people are Gandhis, basically. Because it's after Gandhi does the thing where he's like, you know, we're like, we're really all the same. Like I am all of these things. Um, There's really no difference. And Jenna's Mm -hmm. like, but not all people are you. And I'm scared about the future. And I, I like the performance there because it's, it's the same calm between two people, but also it's like a passionate calm. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, they're, they're very clearly speaking from, a point of like truth and sincerity. Yeah. But on very weighty topics. And, and on two philosophies that neither of them are going to budge on. Right. I do honestly love that they push this decision on, on to Gandhi though, of are we going to partition the country or will we remain united as one India? Um, and the transition, they don't tell you. And this was, in my mind, a great transition there where they move into the raising of the Indian flag. They signal it by showing the British flag coming down. And then you see the Indian flag going up and then cut. And then you see the Pakistani flag going up. And that's how they signal that the decision was made to partition. I love how impersonal that is. 
because it, it it really hammers home to me like this was to some extent an impossible decision. Yeah. And it's it's not you don't put blame that it's it is it had to be made one way or the other and neither were good. I, I felt like the messiness of the situation was conveyed and like the idea of that, like everybody has all of these different concerns and all mm-hmm. of the concerns are valid and how do you deal with that? And how do you make everyone yeah. happy? And what's going to be the best decision? And did you make the right decision? I don't know, but that's the one you made. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I'm, well, and the fact that Gandhi is not flying a flag at his ashram, that's the third, like in that set of, of, of scenes, he, cons- he considers himself, but he considers himself part of humanity. I feel like he's mm-hmm. more humanist than anything else. Now we, do immediately see the impact of this partitioning because you have um, a lot of see people at the border. who have to relocate. Yeah. And th- the way that they filmed this kind of brutal emigration scene at the border with caravans in opposite directions. It's the classic um, one person throws a rock, another person throws a rock, yep. everything breaks out. I, I know that's like such a common movie thing that people will use where it's like, you have this tension and then you have it like kind of waterfall or snowball into like a bigger action. But I, I'm a sucker for it every time. Well, and it just works so well because of how they led up to it. Like it, it wasn't just a, a rock out of nowhere. You, you'd seen the brutality of the situation. Yeah. So, and, and they it, like let like in the, scenes leading up to the decision and like the flags being replaced. Like we knew what the factions were. We knew that there was a lot of emotion behind both those factions. We'd seen the foreshadowing there. Mm -hmm. But that leads to the second hunger strike that they show in this film. So um, to to paraphrase quite a bit, like all of this news comes to a head and Gandhi is like, I'm going to Calcutta where the, the fighting is like um, the worst. Exactly. And, you know, I, the scene with him on the rooftop and having Hindu protesters like yelling at him for staying with a, a Muslim friend of his, like that really threw the situation into, into detail or it, or stark light. I think right. that's what I'm well, looking there's, for. There's an interesting thing there, too, where it's like at this point. Gandhi, like he's so revered that he's become a symbol and people now feel ownership over him almost. Yeah. Like a, you're supposed to be one of us. Like you're supposed to represent me. Why aren't you doing the thing that I think you should be doing? And this was never about you. <laughs> and Gandhi basically comes in and is like, because I represent or I at least strive to represent everybody. And to prove that I'm going to stop eating until you all stop this bullshit. Yeah. Which you get very clear and more like violent scenes of these protests and just the brutality of, of. And I will say it works, but I do love the scene where Nehru arrives and he's just like, there's a look on his face like, I am too old for this. <laughs> You're too old for this. <laughs> what are we doing? 
<laughs> it his exasperation is is great. I think Sahid and I were talking about it. This was uh I think when the conversation about like if if I came home and my husband was like, we're weaving all of our clothes now, I'd be like, what? <laughs> um, I was like, you gotta respect Gandhi, but like it would have been really hard to be his friend. Like that's a lot of emotional stress. It works though. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's a testament to the the inspiration that his inspiring air. Oh yeah, for sure. So um, hunger strike is ended like right in the nick of time. Oh wait, before I do that, there was this one scene where a protester came up and was like, here food eat. I will not have your blood on, on my hands. It's a very powerful scene. Although the entire scene, there is just a chunk of bread. <laughs> Yeah, just like laying on Gandhi. Um, Kingsley. Yeah. (laughs) But the this just the one, the way that the actor playing the protester was was phenomenal. And then just the quiet bombshell of how Gandhi says he can make it right, which is the protester is Hindu. And Gandhi's like, find a kid, raise him as a Muslim. Let's explain like what happened here. Um Oh yeah, I skipped yeah. a lot. <laughs> um, this uh, Hindu protester explains that here he's like, I won't have your death on my hand too, throws the bread at Gandhi, um, and basically is in absolute inner turmoil, emotional torture because he killed a Muslim child, which he knows is wrong and terrible. And Gandhi's like, well, why did you do that? And he's like, because some Muslim protesters killed my son around the same age. Like, Basically being like, I did a horrible thing. Also, this horrible thing was done to me. And eye for an eye. I'm exactly. And so what Gandhi tells him is like, well, because the man's like, I like I can't continue, basically. Um, he's having a full existential crisis. And Gandhi's like, well, that was a terrible thing. The only way you, you know, you, if you want to know how to atone, this is what you do is that you find an orphan orphaned by all of this violence and you raise them as your own and you make sure that it is a Muslim child. Basically being like the way you counteract violence and hatred is with love and care. Uh, It was powerful. Only a lawyer could come up with that. I mean, yes, but, <laughs> but no, it's a great so, scene. Back to him breaking the the hunger strike just in time. I did love how they panned across all of his friends, just like <laughs> looking like, down at him. Fucking God. <laughs> yeah. I love the one friend when uh, Gandhi says something about a hunger strike. And he's like, I can't. I would die. Like people would let me die. <laughs> they yeah, don't, it's like they, they don't, don't care love about me, me the enough. Way they love you. <laughs> So incisive. Um, so that's done. But now, okay, so we've gone through all of this story and now we are back on the day that we started. Okay. That we had. F- this is how they almost, almost, emphasis on the almost, sold me. Excuse me while I roll my eyes at you. <laughs> the classic biopic. We start with a memorial or funeral um, trip. So. We're on the day of the assassination. Gandhi, uh, I think, has like a conversation with 
the photographer again or something, but we've seen him leaving and there's this guy in a car at the opening and we like see him again at one point. So we Mm -hmm. know we're getting close to that, that point. And then we find ourselves back in the garden where Gandhi's walking through. We have the exact same shots of the assassin. We have the gun go off. It goes to black. And then you hear the, oh my God, oh my God. And if the movie had ended right there, I'd have been, I'd have been like framing device completely sold done brilliantly in this case. But Ian, did the okay, movie the, end where it should have ended? The cut to the funeral pyre and then the spreading of his ashes with the, the talking about how love and hatred will always conquer dictators that didn't like melt you? No, because it was a quote we'd heard him say earlier. That's why I liked it, because we had heard him Well, I didn't need to hear it again. <laughs> I already knew. Like, the, the, this movie, it's not subtle in its themes, right? So, like, we didn't need uh, no. a reminder of what the theme was. It's And sometimes you don't need a movie to be subtle in its themes. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But we didn't need the reiteration. And I just, if it had done the cut to black, oh, my God, oh, my God, end of movie, I would have probably been sitting on my couch for, like, the next 15 minutes just staring at my TV being, like, just chills and what brilliance and just like haunted and having to think about everything that I just want. Like it would have had been so much more impactful, I think, because we saw the procession at the beginning, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like we saw the pyre, we saw like what he meant to so many people at the beginning and throughout the movie. But like, I, I just, I think it would have been a better ending. I agree that that would have been a fantastic ending. I still liked it the way it was, but that's just me. Cause I did sit on my couch through the entirety of the credits, just sitting there like, whoa. So <laughs> I had, I had maybe like a, like a one minute. Whoa. And I could have had like a 15 minute. Whoa. Well, I, let me, let me put it this way. I am not. So I watched this Sunday. I am not still mm-hmm. thinking about the ending today. Other than when we talked about it, if it had ended where like at that cut to black, I would probably still be thinking about that ending periodically through the day and just being like, damn, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree, but I still really liked it the way Mm, it was. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that that is my opinion because they then did all this stuff after the fade to black. I'm not sold on the beginning framing device because if, if you're not going to end at that cut to black, then you could have just done everything you did at the beginning at the end and it wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it doesn't does do agree with the movie by any means. Well, but it could have been better. Yeah. Not that it wasn't. Not that it wasn't great. Good. Like, it was great. Like, very great. So Does that mean we should move into rankings? I think so. But I also don't know where I'm going to put it. I actually knew pretty quickly how, where I was going to put this. Actually, no, I had an idea because uh, we've done a lot of biopics for this podcast, they are a favorite genre among the Academy. So I did actually, when I was thinking about this, I thought about it in relationship to other biopics we've done. And I came to the conclusion that this is right up there, like one and two extremely close together, if not tied for me with Patton. 
I think those are the two mm. best biopics we've seen. Um, and because of that, I was like, well, let me look at my list. And then I knew immediately where I was going to put it. So I will go first actually today. It is my new number 21, which is right after Patton. And depending on the day, it might go b- above it. I feel like the reason Patton goes above it for me is because Patton doesn't use the framing device that I hate so much. And it said instead it starts <laughs> with that speech in front of the that giant flag, which is such an impactful opening um, mm-hmm. and really, really like immediately sets up character for you. Um, so that's kind of the tiebreaker there for me is the the framing device. Um and then it would be above Lawrence of Arabia, which is another <laughs> biopic. Yeah, you had that like super, super close. My my Lawrence. Oh, sorry. Did you want to say why before I jump in? Oh, why it's above Lawrence? I thought that was evident. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I <laughs> I just I read correctly I, I, then. It's not, it's not bloated the way Lawrence is. And also Ben Kingsley, I really like it also definitely probably helps that i liked the character of gandhi more than i like the character of lawrence by a lot so i do not have the benefit of having all of my biopics back to back to back in my list so i'm over here agonizing over where to actually put it because honestly it's not in my top 10 but it's in my top 20 Pretty, I will say, like, we're at 55, 55 of these, right? So, yeah. like, if it's in your top 25, like, that is, that's pretty good. Like, that is your top 50 percentile. Yeah. And that, I think for me, ultimately, I'm probably going to put it at number 15. Um, And so that, that slots it after Ordinary People, but before for one flew over the cuckoo's nest and it's interesting because i'm going to use the same argument in different ways for why it is there like when, when stacked against ordinary people like for me instead of having this epic expansive um like symbol of a person represented on screen ordinary people was really like real and in a way that i think i didn't really see in these winners until that point like it felt kind of like a turning point for me, especially when we rolled into, um, and that just, I, yeah, it, it really wasn't something that I think we had seen at all. So in terms of it's like novelty and it, it like actually dealing with some really weighty subject matter in a way that we hadn't seen, I'm all for it. Acting still really, really good. But when we flip to the opposite side where it one flew over the cuckoo's nest, like didn't feel real enough. <laughs> like It was still really, really good, but like, I don't know. I related more to the content of, of Gandhi. So um, that's why I'm putting it there and not to mention the production design and all of that. So um not sure that's necessarily a fair comparison, giving how different those two movies are and how like the entire goal of them is just totally different it's hard ranking is it's my list that's where i'm putting it (laughs) ranking the movies is so hard because it is a lot of them are very different and so much of it just comes down to like personal preference how you were feeling on the day you watched it on the day we recorded it 
yeah, art is how we view it. So it's, yeah. But I would say uh, both of us gen- generally are like good film can recommend. Oh, 100%. And it's in both of our top, the top halves of both of our mm-hmm. lists, which I'm pretty much like, if you're in the top half of the list, I can pretty much wholeheartedly recommend watching it. At least for me. So anyway, that's Gandhi. Thank you for bearing with us through this monster of an episode. It was a long movie with a lot to unpack. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I have a lot of follow-up reading to do. Yeah, same. So thank you for joining us for Gandhi. Next time, join us for... Terms of Endearment. Or Raiders of the Lost Ark. We'll see. Probably Terms of Endearment, though. Um <laughs> Until then, you can find us on social media. We are at Best Pictures Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We are Best Pictures Podcast at gmail.com. If you have something more long form you want to write us about, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Rate, subscribe, review. I don't think I've said that in a while, but you can definitely still do that. We'd love for you to. Please do. And uh, catch you next time. <laughs>